We're going to start off this morning uh, just talking to a couple of folks here from the church and uh, wanting you to hear about community uh, as it relates to somebody's real life and uh, their real experiences. So uh, I've invited the Brandon, uh, Brian and Sandra to come up. I combined the names there Brandra. on the first one. Brandra. Brandra. Do you know Brian and Sandra? Yeah? Good, good. Well, we are uh, uh, obviously glad you're part of the church, but uh, me being uh, so new here, it's been really a joy to get to know you and uh, know your life over uh, the last several weeks. And um, you have expanded your community in your household, right? Yeah? All right. Good. Well, we're, we're going to hear about that in a couple minutes, but uh, I want to just ask them a couple questions as it relates to community. Your story may be similar uh, or maybe very different, but, uh, but I think community relates to all of us. So uh, tell us really, in what ways have you felt part of community here at Wendover Hills? Um, to me, there's some ways, but I think some of the, the, the greatest thing that really has moved me is just the feel of family here. It feels like a family, and it's with everything that we do together. It's, just, it's with service. It's, it's with praying for each other. It's for building each other up. And my wife and I have been through several churches in our life, and this has been, you know, probably the first church that I can ever remember feeling like a part of a family. And, you know, through, through Wendover Hill, we were introduced to um, small groups for the first time, and I think that's a great way to be able to get tied into a closer-knit people that you can get uh, really, con- you know, connected with. Right. So you would say uh, in the church, but in your small groups as well, you felt like you've experienced that type of Christian community. Yeah, Excellent. I think, I think, you know, when a church, you know, it's it, it, it big and it's growing and stuff, you know, to have everyone together and to really know each other is really hard, but when you have that time together with people like, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, I'm, I'm never, the smaller group is, you always get that intimacy much better. Yeah. And Brian shared a, a key point that whether a church is 115 or a church is 2,000, we really connect with seven or eight people really well to let them know really deeply who we are. And that's about the number that, that, we, that, we, can, that we can do. And so, uh, so you've touched on that. Has there been a time uh, in, in your guys' life where you've had to really draw on that community? <laughs> Is that the pass off there? Yeah. Um, I know that you know, my wife and I, um, we've been going through the adoption process for um, what seems like an eternity. Year, uh, we were going to uh, receive an infant boy, and at the last moment, um, the child was apparently not in God's plan for us, and it was um, it was a big blow to our faith and our trust in God. But um, we had some close people that really, I know without a shadow of a doubt, if they wouldn't pray for us, we, we probably would have you know, lost a lot of our sanity and a lot of our faith in God if it wouldn't. When we went through that, we had a lot of people that came around us and just, we had people come and visit and just sit and cry with us. And we had people pray, cards, phone calls, emails, and we never felt like we were alone, even though it was a really hard time. We always knew that this group of people that we have surrounding us was praying for us and encouraging us and 
above land and it would come in time. Oh, well, well, thanks for being willing to share that. Uh, um, whether it's the joys of community or, or the community surrounding us in heartbreak, um, you certainly described uh, what that community can do. What would you share with somebody who may be here and they're, they're searching for that? They're looking for connection. They're looking for community. Um, <clears throat> one of the scriptures I read this week that really had an impact on me was from Ecclesiastes where it talks about two is better than one for if someone should stumble, the other person is there to pick them up. And me personally, I know through what we went through with Lizzie and Isaac, I mean, it was the lowest point in my faith. And, you know, if I wouldn't have that community around me, like I said, I, I seriously believe that I would have backslid, you know, because it was just so much pressure from the enemy and all the lies and everything. But I know that with all those people there praying for us and, and lifting us up and just nonstop prayer, nonstop lifting us up, you know, we were able to get pulled out of that pit. And I can I can't imagine what it is to feel like being alone in this world and not having a place to fit in because it's so essential. I mean, especially in the walk we're having as believers, you know, we need to be around other believers because that iron sharpens iron and it helps build us up together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say that um, when we went through the hard times, everybody cried with us, but now they all rejoice with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And tell us, just just in case there be some that don't know, tell us what you're rejoicing in. Um, we have a five-year-old little boy. Oh, my God. We're going to be adopting, and um, we're really excited about it, and he's brought a lot of joy to our lives. Oh, great. And I see joy in you guys, too. Oh. Rejoicing with us. Oh. And that makes the world a difference to me. And I do quickly want to say that um, I am not an outgoing husband. Brian is, and I'm really shy. So when we started a small group, when we joined, it was so out of my comfort zone and not something that I really wanted to do. But I'm so glad I did because we have a group of people who are like family to us. And who, when we need prayer, we call them and they pray and they call us and we pray for them. And it's just such an awesome thing that we have this group of people around us that we know is looking out for us and praying for us. I appreciate you guys being willing to share. Would you give them a hand for coming up and sharing with us this morning? Hello, I'm a small group. And I'm a big group. What's wrong, big group? I mean, you look kind of frustrated. You know, I just, I have a lot on my mind. Yeah, like what? Well, you know, I have another busy Wednesday night to plan. So, you know, I've got the, you know, the, the, the welcome and the announcements. And then there's the offering and the worship and then, you know, the sermon. And, and that's, that's a lot. No, no, you guys do a good job with that kind of stuff, though. I mean, that's why at small group, we're more focused on things like building relationships, hanging out, having fun, stuff like that. You know, I'm actually, you know, not so shabby building relationships myself, so, you know. How do you build relationships in a big group? Well, you know, we have the two-minute meet and greet, so two minutes, that sounds like a really long time to build a relationship. Actually, no, it's not. But, you know, I do get to find out if someone were an ice cream flavor, which one they'd be. So, that's deep. You jest. I would be Rocky Rose. All right. Well, the 
This morning, obviously, we're, we're going to focus on the issue of community and talking specifically on the practical level of small groups. And I uh, want to share with you just a little quick review. We're at the sixth week of our series called How to Grow. And we really what we've been talking about in this sixth week is how we as individual Christians grow, but how as a church community we grow at the same time. And these principles have been helpful in this area. We, we learned our first week about why growing personally is so important, why you growing and me growing in our Christian walk is so important. We talked about the thing of feeding ourselves and not just sitting thinking we'll get a nugget here or there, but feeding ourselves. This next week we've talked about how we're designed, we're uniquely gifted and we're, we're, we're created differently and God doesn't have the same role for each of us. He wants you to serve, yes, but he wants you to serve differently like he, than he wants me to serve, and we, we had the challenge of, of trying to serve one hour, whether in our church or in our community, but serving. Now, it wasn't that one hour is the magical number, but it gets us out there doing it. We also talked about why God wants to use our resources. We talked about the biblical approach to giving, really simply. There's the tithe, which is more discipline-based, and then there was the, the special offerings, which is more heart-based, and that's how we'll always talk about giving here. Next week, we, we talked about why our neighbor matters, and that God's plan is really for us to share our faith out of what we've experienced from him. And so it's not this robotic type of, of uh, discipline to share, 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 but it's this overflow of what we have experienced from Christ and with Christ, and then we get to go share it, whether it's something small God impacted our life or whether it's this huge life transformation, and that was last week. We talked about inviting uh, people to join us here at Windover, not because this church is the only place that's sharing God's love, but it's because it's where so many of you have experienced this life transformation. So this week we're talking about community. And you've noticed a couple of our fun little elements, whether it's the game show or an interview up here, we've focused on community. And sometimes when we have those elements, it means you get to have a little bit shorter sermon. So you excited about that? You're not supposed to say yes. You're supposed to go, yeah, thank you. All right, I'll pump it up a few minutes. We'll, we'll get it back on target. Did you know this phrase? People most often grow in their faith through community. People most often grow in their faith through community. Now, before you jump to an either-or type of thinking here, the either-or thinking would say, what, you grow in community? I can't grow on my own? We never had an either-or in between. But people most often grow in community. When you can be around other people who are growing in their faith, or around people that are wrestling with issues of faith, people that are trying to figure out what God is bringing their life and what does God want me to surrender, even with you can be around people who are dialoguing this way that are still having a hard time surrendering an area, all of that is impactful, powerful stuff for us to grow in our Christian walk. I can remember being at college and then at seminary, and those, those conversations that would start around 11 o'clock or 11.30 at night when you're sitting out in the hallway, and you start to kind of discuss some Christian or theology topic, or you start maybe even debating something, um, and somehow that talking about the topic spilled over into talking about our personal lives and maybe how that topic interacted with our lives before we knew it we might even be off the topic and we were just sharing what's happening in our life 
That's community. And why did that happen? Because we were discussing, we were discussing issues of the faith. And so this morning, I want, first of all, for you to hear the statement, people most often grow in their, their faith through community, and then I want to talk biblically about how we see this, so you don't just take my word for it. Um, anybody out there ever watch TV shows? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I love how you always got really silent there, like none of you go home. It's okay. It's not, uh, this is not a sin to watch your TV. It's okay. Anybody watch TV shows? Okay, yeah, a few of you. You notice how when you're watching a show, especially in a sitcom, they are very good at promoting community. In fact, community is not only promoted, but community is discovered very, very, very fast in TV shows, right? Very fast. You get to know somebody in a TV show. When they introduce a character, I mean, you kind of know that's going to be a character, so they have to have this community quick, right? Before you know it, just in a few conversations or one invitation over to a house, there is this community that's happening. And we sit and we watch these things. If somebody falls out of community, there's a big issue. Well, that community is always, it's always resolved in a half hour because that's how long the sitcom is, right? We've got to wrap it up in a half hour and send everybody out happy. You know, on a sad note, I mean, think about how many times in our television shows a couple having sex makes them experience community. And that's what we, we watch sometimes. And, and so we're sold this on TV over and over how community happens and how people come to know community. And often in our television shows, it happens, whether physically or in conversation, very, very quickly. But the Bible paints a little bit different picture of this community. It paints a different picture of what it has to offer our lives. Let's start way back in the beginning. If you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 2, way back, Genesis chapter 2, we get this glimpse of community right from the get-go. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 15 through 22. This is probably a passage that many of you have read so many times. You know this passage inside and out, but maybe you've never thought about it from a community perspective, but let's look at it. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Verse 18, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone, I will make a suitable helper for him. Now the Lord God had formed all, out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So this passage that we're so familiar with, and uh, the, the scene basically is God has created man, created all the creatures out there, and he has now said this statement, which is a very powerful, dramatic statement here, is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper. For him. Now we're going to come back to that word helper in just a second. But God said it's not good for man to be alone. 
this is the very beginning. Remember, sin has not entered the picture in creation yet. God has created his creation, and he has looked at his creation, and he says, you know what, there is something not quite right here. Now, you can look at that and you say, maybe God made a mistake. He didn't create this right. He messed up. You ever played with pottery? Tried to throw a pot on a wheel? You didn't get it right the first time for sure. Often we look at this and we think, well, did God mess up? Or did God have designed from the very beginning that community was to be a part of our existence? And you see, he created man, and he says, it's not good for a, person to, a man to be alone. And so he's got all these animals, and now he sends these animals and birds to Adam, and his job is to name these animals. Now, that's a lot of animals. Um, I, I could see him starting off really strong with these incredible names, you know, creative names, hippopotamus and, and things like that. And, um, but at some point, that had to be a tough task for Adam. You know? At some point, it had to be just fly. Uh, and that's a, that's a tough thing to name all those animals. But that's what his job, and that's what he did. And then God, at the tail end of that, says, you know, I was looking at something here, and what I discovered in all these animals, there's no good, suitable helper of all these animals. There's no, there's no something to come along his side. And so God creates woman. Let's look for a second at the word helper. Have you ever read that? From a, a, a misjudgment of that word, we, we sometimes can look and say, the woman's job is to come along and just be this extra compliment, this assistant to the person in charge. You know, this boss and the person that is kind of the, you know, the gopher here that needs to do the side work. But the problem is that's a wrong interpretation of this passage and of this word in, in the original language. The, the word is not helper in the sense of assistant. In fact, there's not really a word in the Hebrew language that actually captivates the word assistant like we know it today. And so in this passage, when he says helper, the word is actually more connected to the word one, the word one in the Bible. You know the other passage where it says a, a man shall leave his mother and father and they, the, the husband and wife should cleave together and the two will become one. It has its roots in the same word here. When they become one, and that word is connected with another passage. It says, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. Now when you look at these words and how they interact with each other, we come to understand first, hero Israel, the Lord your God, God is one, that that word is talking about a uniqueness, a completeness, a nothing like him, nothing above him type of word here. But out of that word, if we look at cleaving together, leaving mother and father and cleaving and becoming one, it has its connection with the same word. In that relationship, that marriage relationship, it is unique. It is one. There's none other like it. There may be a lot of couples out there, but there are none unique to your relationship. The way you and your spouse have come together, that is unique. It's one. When you look at your spouse, you can look at her right now, him right now, and say, look at him and say, man, he or she is unique. You may have said, Pastor, you didn't need to say that. I already know that. Um, but God means it in a good way. This unique, this oneness is good. 
And so when he looks at a suitable helper, and the, and the word has the same connection with the other words, God is not saying, I'm going to spend my time and energy to create somebody that can just do the extra stuff for you that you don't want to do, to be your assistant, to have a small role, and you have the big role. He says, no, it is this person that comes with you, and you'll experience this oneness. Look about it in this other way. Uh, if it was simply a helper here, I mean, there are a lot of creatures God created that could do some help. They could help out. I mean, there's some, some creatures that can even hold things and swing things. And obviously in the Old Testament, even, we get the, the picture of animals that were used to till the fields and things like that. There must be something more. And then the question comes to us, if, if that is how God is describing this helper and this union, the question comes to us here on how valuable community is to God from the very beginning. You see, God says it's not good for man to be alone. God is really saying there when he looks at his creation, there is a void within the human's life that I am not going to fulfill. Now that might rack your head a little bit. That God, the the most powerful God, the all-powerful God, is actually telling us there is a part of connection that I'm not going to fulfill because the connection needs to come with other human beings, with other people. Now, he doesn't say, I won't be right there in the midst, won't be involved. But he says that connection is so important to have with this other human being that you can come together and have this connection that I'm not going to supply that. He says that comes from a community, this human community. In this particular passage, he's talking about the the husband and wife coming together. But the theme of community begins here and continues throughout God's word. Now, you may have sometimes said phrases like, you know, all I need is God, and um, I just need to walk with God and be alone, or I just need to get away from people and just be with God. In the sense of how those are said sometimes, I'm not necessarily saying they're bad and wrong. But what God is describing here at the beginning, and he will continue in a couple of the other passages we look at, what God is describing is that he never designed you to go through life on your own. I remember in our youth group, I had a teen stand up and share one night, a little 10-minute message, and and, uh, they said something that was a powerful, powerful statement. They opened up their night telling a little story, and they looked at the group, it was about 80 or so teens, and they said, you know what? Loners get picked off. That's what the teens said. Loners get picked off. And then they went to share what they were talking about. And what they were talking about that came from this, I think there was 15 at the time, old mouth, was that if we choose to withdraw ourselves from community, from people community, then we can't receive really all that God has for us. It was a powerful thing a 15-year-old was saying. In fact, I hadn't even dug into the passages of God's Word that talk about community, and as I did, I got to a point where I said, yeah, that happens. We become weaker and weaker when we don't have that community. And this 15-year-old described it as loners get picked off. So God wants community. He wants community for us. He is driving us to the place to have this oneness, this uniqueness that is brought about in community. Take a look at uh, John chapter 17. 
we're going to look at starting in verse 6. Jesus, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross. And Jesus is praying uh, in the garden, and he's praying for his disciples first. And he says some interesting words uh, in this prayer. It might be a prayer that you're familiar with, but I want to make sure we really highlight a couple of the phrases this morning. John 17, verse 6, he starts out saying, I have received you to those, God, he's praying to God, to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for you. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they will still be in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may become one as we are one. Now notice as Jesus is praying here, the last prayer before he would go to the cross. And as he's praying, he's praying to God about his disciples. He's saying, God, they have been faithful. The words you gave me, God, I gave them to them, and they believed. This is how he's describing the disciples' walk with the Lord. And then this last statement, he says, protect them by the power of your name so that they may be one as you and I are one. You see, Jesus is, is really saying here, what I want them to experience, because they have received you and because they're wanting to live in you, what I want them to experience is this community and this connection with one another, the same connection that you and I have. You see, God, he is describing this vertical relationship that God the Father and God the Son are having, and he was saying at the same time, I want them to experience this as well. Now, he's not saying, I want them to be divine. I want them to have savior status. He's talking about the community, the relationship. That father-son connection, that, that deep, intimate relationship that happens in a, in a right relationship between a father and son that Jesus is describing in this prayer, he's saying that community can happen this way as well. And I want those people to draw together in that way. Now let me take a pause for a second, because this is a hard concept for us to grasp. In our American or Western community, often community goes to a certain depth, and the reason we're not able to describe community is because it goes on a level that we've not many times yet experienced. When we get into a casual conversation where we've shared a little bit about our week or how things have gone, or we've talked to the neighbor for for a few minutes uh, about you know, the lawnmower and things like that, we have experienced a level of community, and God wants us to have that. But God says there's something much deeper. I shared with you one of the visions of the church here is that you could come in and you could really disclose who you are in life, meaning you could say, this is who I am. Just spill it and say, fully, this is who I am. Now, it's hard to happen in a large group, but we're wanting to create these opportunities where you can really share deeply who you are. That's a level of community that we're often slow to go to. In fact, 
when we get on the same page as far as what we're passionate about and we get out and rub shoulders and serve together, when we see the, the injustice in life and we want to be part of the solution to that injustice, we're starting to experience a level of community. When heartbreak comes to an individual or to a large group and we grieve together and when there's a need that needs to be met and I sacrifice to meet that need, whether financial or time, we start to experience a level of community that God's talking about here. And so it goes much deeper than having a chat with our neighbor. It goes much deeper than saying, how are you doing this week? Pretty good, how are you? I'm not bad, been a little sick, but I'm okay. That's a level. But God wants us to experience something much, much deeper. I mean, do you think the connection between God and the Son just had to do with little, how you doing? How was your weeks? It's much deeper than that. And he's saying, I want you to experience that with each other. Now, we're, we're, if we do the study, we, we learn, uh, and I, I, I read a couple, a couple different books, and they, they listed the number differently. One said you can really know only three to four people in deep, deep connection outside of your spouse. Only know three to four people in deep connection uh, at any one given time. Another one said seven that you can know fairly deep. Whichever number's right, I don't know. I'm not smart enough on, on that type of stuff. But I do know it's a much smaller number than a larger group. We can experience family here. You can experience a warm, loving, greeting atmosphere. You can stop and chat with quite a few people and really go away feeling like there's a good connection. And all of that would be true and honorable to the Lord. But when Jesus says, so that they may be one as we are one, he's talking about something much deeper, much deeper. He's talking about being in a place where I could really spill who I am. Well, Jesus is talking to his disciples, so if you want to break down the passage, you could say, well, yeah, that's right. He was talking to his disciples, his closest followers. He's not necessarily talking to all of us in this passage. So let's be biblically responsible on this. Take a look at John 17, 20 through 21. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. You see, Jesus is saying, This is not something I think just the 12 disciples can handle. I think this is something for everyone who believes in my message. See, there is a level, a level of love and care for one another and community that God wants us to get to it. It's part of the gospel. It's part of who we are. So why community? Genesis says this, there's a void in our lives that God has said, I'm not going to fulfill that void. I will lead you to it. I will be in there amongst you in it. But it comes through your connection with people. And John says that there's a world that when, as we believe in Christ, there is this community we can have with one another. Now, I shared with you at the beginning about TV shows. Do you know that watching community in the TV shows, even if the shows get it right, can't bring you community? Did you know that? It doesn't matter how much you spectate community. It can't bring it to you, but it can do something for you. It can let you know you want it. So if you're sitting and you're watching TV, it can let you know you want something. Anybody ever seen a movie called A River Runs Through It? Well, I have brothers, 
And I can remember growing up uh, in a time where we had TV, but the TV wasn't, you know, obviously a big, a big, as big a deal. Uh, video games were never existent in our house growing up. And so uh, the movie The Sandlot, that was our world. The Sandlot, the baseball field, the cul-de-sac where you could play, the, the elementary school up the way, those fields, that was our world. And being out and getting into trouble sometimes and, and doing that type of thing. Well, in this movie, as I watch A River Runs Through It, I don't know how to fish. I've never been to Montana. Um, it's set in a, you know, a century before. But I watch the movie, and sometimes, like, I mean, I can't get through it without crying. In fact, I like to watch it alone so that I don't look so pansy, because that's <laughs> what I experience. And part of me, what I'm really experiencing when I look at that, is the same kind of longing to have that connection. The, the longing to have those type of feelings that, are, that happen in the movies, or some of those scenes that really happen in the movie, even though I don't know how to fish. Um, and so many times when we watch something, we learn we want it. We want that. But no matter how much we watch it, no matter how much we experience it through a television or through an outside window, no matter how many times we might get a little emotional when we see things like that, that cannot bring community. Can't bring it. And so God wants us to connect. God wants us to supply it for one another. One more passage, Acts chapter 2. We've read this before, but now read it maybe from a different view. This is right after Jesus was crucified, resurrected, ascended into heaven, and the disciples were all meeting together. There was excitement about the vision. There was excitement about what was going on. Um, but let me give you one final overview, and then we'll read this. Do you know that at this point in time, not a whole lot had happened? There was a lot of excitement, and guys had gone out and they'd shared the word in different languages so that people could understand it and people accepted. But there's no like big model for ministry that's been put in place. I mean, there's, there's not this, this uh, structure or anything like this that we find later in the book of Acts as the church really grows. But there's an incredible amount of excitement in what God is doing and how God is intervening in their lives, and this is the result. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and, and miraculous signs were, were done by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, at this point in time, this excitement this excitement that was going on, this, this all-in-ness that we talked about before, was resulting in community. You can read it and see it, that they were drawn together, that they were making an impact on their, their communities because of what, what was happening for them coming together. We see in there that, that uh, they sold possessions and goods. They helped people out. They met together in the temple courts, which would have been the bigger gathering but they also met together in each other's homes, so this small group type of gathering. They ate and they gave with, with these glad, sincere hearts. And at the end it says daily, daily people were added to their numbers. Do you know why people were added to their numbers? Because as they sat and they watched what was going on, 
They saw the community. They saw the connection. And they said, I want that. It wasn't until they said, you know, I am willing to surrender my life to Christ to receive that too, that, that they experienced the community. But they wanted it. The same as we often sit and look at it and see it through a TV screen or through another family. They wanted it. And so they came together. They joined in. They said yes to this. And they started growing in community. And that's why this daily thing, people were added So God wants us to experience community for ourselves, for our own growth. God wants us to experience community because there's people all around us that just don't know. They don't know about community. They don't know that community amongst believers brings something deep and rich in their life. In fact, if anything, they think that community with believers just increases the list of things they should do and shouldn't do. It just expands the religiousness of it all. We're not interested in that. We're interested in the community that God has to offer to us. Well, in the next few weeks, we're going to be launching Groups for a Season. We've been talking for a while. Can I just say uh, in Groups for a Season, this is one avenue to get a taste of community. Never would we say this is the only way to experience community, so if you don't get in a small group, you're a second-class citizen around here. That's not what we're trying to, to share. But we are telling you this is an incredible opportunity for you to join for five weeks and get a taste of this community. And so that's why we've shared so strongly wanting you to to sign up or fill out the survey and join a group's first season. I realize for some of you, it will be a juggling of your schedule. For some of you, you have to add something on top of your existing schedule. None of that stuff has not been thought through. We just think that the impact on community and your spiritual growth is so significant that we're willing to say, step out and try to do it anyway for five weeks. And it's one of the reasons we made it, a five-week experience this time around. So I want to share four things I think groups for a season will help us on and we'll be done. Number one thing is it's going to help you experience deeper community, just deeper connections with one another. If you're one that you are quiet and you never share what's going on in your life, this will give you the opportunity to share. It's important to share. It's not that the most noble people don't share. It's important that we share who we are and what's going on in our life. Secondly, we facilitate Christian discussion. You have this opportunity to talk about Christian things. In any of our groups for a season, there will never be a setting where when you walk in, there's a lectern in rows, and you sit in it, and there'll be somebody teaching for 55 minutes. That's not our interest in these small groups but we do have an interest in facilitating Christian discussion. We want you to be able to talk about spiritual things and to talk. You can share something in in there and talk about something even if you're still wrestling with the idea if you believe it or not. That's That's an important part of your spiritual growth, facilitate Christian discussion. The third thing is bless each other. Now, I know that sounds like this high spiritual uh, bless each other, like that happens everywhere, But think about it. When you come together and somebody says, you know, I'm just really struggling here. I don't know what's going to happen here. And you say, you know what? Let me step in and supply that for you. I've got time to help you in that area. You're extending a blessing and you're receiving a blessing. You know, hey, we could take up a little offering just in our small group tonight and do something for you. That's extending a blessing or receiving a blessing. When you put yourself in community like that, these blessings start to pop around um, 
that they, we, 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 don't always, we don't always know about in a group that's bigger. And finally, reach new people. People are striving to be a part of community. It's why teenagers sometimes flock to groups that as parents, we cringe seeing them connecting in those groups because they want community. What doesn't end as a teenager? We want community. And so the opportunity to invite a non-Christian or somebody seeking to be a part of your small group and to experience real community, not a 50-minute Bible study or necessarily or, uh, or not a place where they learn more religious things, but a place where they can really facilitate and, and be a part of Christian discussion. They want that. They want that community. Well, this week, uh, we are going to be kind of putting together the groups and next week we want to have our actual sign-ups with groups on nights that you can put yourself into that group. I told you boldly I want to see 115 people that would be willing to commit for, for five weeks to a small group. And so I encourage you. There won't be a lot of arm twisting. I won't come to your place of business with the sign-up sheet and say, uh, let's go, um, because that's, that's, that's the Lord's work in your own life. But, but that's my goal, and that's my, my encouragement and challenge before you this week. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, I just want to stop for a moment, Lord, and ask if there be somebody that's sitting here that the need of their life, they have been able to identify clearly it is community. They feel lost, alone, and maybe they even have their list of things that they've tried to discover community in, and they've all backfired. This morning, Lord, we want, first of all, for us to know that it has been your theme from Genesis throughout that we are to be in community and that you have that for us. And there must be something richer and deeper in that if it's a dominant theme than we can find somewhere else. And so, first of all, Lord, would that person just find joy this morning in knowing that this is a place they can find that community? And, Lord, I know there may be steps to go from this point for that person but this is a place they can experience it. Lord, I want to pray for the person that maybe they've been coming to church for a long time and they kind of think they have all this together and you know, just the idea of a small group or a community is just one more thing to add to the schedule. Lord, help them to evaluate where they experience that rich, deep Christian community. If they have a great source for it, Lord, thank you, bless you. But if not, Lord, this would be the morning that they'd say, I, I need to experience that. I need to step forward. I need to check that out. Lord, for all the other things that are before us this morning, we just lift them to you and give you honor and glory. We pray in your son's name. Amen.